Cool. Let's cool. wing it. <laughs> wing it. That's why we're here. Did you capture that one, Cam? That was a good one. Let's wing it. Let's just go for it. I've been recording for like eight minutes, so I've got lots of... We're already halfway done the podcast. Lots of nonsense. <laughs> I've got, got, got Mike dragging a tree into, into frame on B-roll. <laughs> podcast goosedigital.com episode 54 58 58 who do we have robin kroll chris o'neill i'm butler michael turksani all right 58 wow already at 58 that's amazing wow always get that number wrong all right we're talking content we're not going to label this content is king because that would just be annoying annoying for everybody it's been done it's it's been done but content and content strategy and how does it fit into your programs? How does it fit into an overall automation strategy and, and, and digital activation strategy is something that we want to talk about because we've, I don't know, we don't talk about content a ton on this show, right? Our audience doesn't, they don't, they don't like content or I don't know if they've ever told us they don't like content. They've but... been waiting for this, Mike. They've been waiting oh, okay. for us to finally sort of bring we this up to 58 them. episodes in and we're finally talking about content as a digital yeah. agency. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's hard and, and the approach has to be really thoughtful and uh, there's all sorts of details and uh, complexities that hopefully we can really knock down today and talk through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And content's one of those things that everybody just needs and, and they have such a problem or a struggle building, getting it all done. Right. I mean, how many people do you talk to Chris and they said like, Oh, we need help. We don't. Well, they don't. Yeah. The, it, it, um, like I wouldn't say everybody like, but I would say a, a solid sort of 80%. So we play a lot in, in those that are just sort of getting started on a, on a marketing automation strategy and, and, you know, frankly, they, they, they don't have what they, what they want. Number one, they don't know what they want and they need some help to kind of help to put the, those pieces together. So, you know, obviously not just what it is that they need to produce, they need somebody to produce it. And then it needs to somehow fit into their engagement strategy. So there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but that usually starts off with, do you guys do content? That's how sure. it starts. Sure. So yes, the answer is yes, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. The answer is yes. So I, you know, I think from the start that, that ability to create the content, maybe before we get there is really just talking about, I think, what did we call it? Not so much content strategy. We're going to get to strategy, but almost like the approach that you would take. So maybe I'll, I'll kick this off and then throw the ball over to somebody, but obviously any, every business has a reason for being, there's a value proposition of a product or a service that they offer some hopefully unique differentiator, something that they think that they can do better than the next, you know, company that might offer that product. So when you think of those, those brand tenants or those, those product, you know, differentiators or those, those pieces of messaging, really when, when we want to get into a content discussion, it's about making sure all those things align, especially in a program that is likely going to be 
not just one thing like a TV commercial, and that's the be all end all where you're, you're probably looking at components of your website, components of email copy, potentially banner ads that exist, some other piece of material that they might, you know, at the end of the day, download as part of your lead generation strategy or whatever the purpose is for doing it all. It all needs to add together, right? That's pretty difficult. So, and I think a lot of that gets lost along the way. So why don't we maybe start there? It's just like, what are, how do we approach that when we're even getting started on content? So we don't just come out with something that's like totally out of left field and doesn't map back to what we're trying to achieve as a business. Maybe I can take that to start off with. Um, the, the word that, that I always think of is continuity and just making sure, does the ad one reflect what the business, the product, the service is all about one. And then two, it's the subsequent follow-ups to create a, I don't know, a level of continuity through the messaging, whether it's the auto email response, the landing page itself, even the document, does it actually, whatever the asset might be, a PDF, a video, whatever, does it support what the, the advertisement really said in the first place? And so even just those considerations alone are meaningful in sort of starting to help establish the brand, reinforce the value prop, and ultimately hopefully align with a, a need that the prospect or lead has. Yeah, I think that you know, that that concept of aligning with the prospect or the lead, it's making that connection between the the brand value, product service, and to uh, a need that you're trying to meet. So, what what is the audience looking for? What is you know what are the pain points? What are the challenges? Um, and understanding in a, a way to communicate, you know, using that content to be able to communicate in a language that's really going to resonate. And that's the other thing I think that's tricky about content. It's the way a brand speaks and where an, a way an audience listens and, and needing to find the connection between those two. Yeah, so the audience and where the audience is, is, is kind of like a big determiner, uh, determination of that because you know, uh, you know, before the um, before the, the the days of the internet and email and so forth, it was like the way that that you spoke to people was like through the TV or through the radio, and it was like you know, uh, uh, you know, you were speaking, you know, specifically that that message. You had a a call to action, call this number, or whatever. Well, now your audience is they're online. They're they're sort of they're on the channels. They're on Instagram. They're on LinkedIn. They're on uh, Facebook. They're basically uh, YouTube. They're consuming that. Uh, that's the that's where they're consuming the content. So having your message sort of um, distributed across the the right channel, and then making sure that the 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 message is is hitting the the portions of your audience the right way. Um, again, as Mike said, it's it's not easy. And there oftentimes is a lot more content that is required. So like right now, there's a total, you know, sort of, uh, there's a void, there's like this, this, this need for small and medium and, and even large businesses needing to have more content than that, that they have, that is driving a whole, you know, almost a new industry uh, in sort of creating that content and making it available. Yeah, I mean, I, I those are I really like what you said there, um, Robin, around the brand voice and how the audience listens. And you know, Chris, I, th I thought you were going to go as far as to say in in B two B sales that really it was it ended up being that you know the the sales rep or the you know the representative of the company that would then kind of make that translation and uh, of 
what it is that the product or service can do for them. Right now in a digital world, you're doing all of that. So I think there's there's a couple of things in there that we should explore. But on the, it's maybe taking a step back to that brand and audience piece. It's so interesting because, and Kev, maybe you could weigh in a bit here because I know you're you're kind of right in the throes of a lot of content work. And it's pretty, it's challenging for uh, maybe a, a B2B organization that's going after multi-vertical to, to adjust their messaging in a way that I guess, like you said, Robin, that in a way that they're going to listen to it. So, you know, if you're going after five different verticals and now you're saying, well, how do I speak to like meta, you know, healthcare professionals versus, you know, education workers or whatever the case may be. It's, 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 it's a huge challenge. Yeah, I think so. Like, I try to, in my head, think about it, you know, there's the, there's a really high level value prop um, and voice that you want as your brand. And then from there, there's different sort of layers or levels or tiers or groups of, of how you position that initial value prop relative to a specific vertical, let's say, or a type of audience, however you split it up. Um, it should all sort of point back up to that, that initial or, or high level value prop and maybe just it's a little more tailored or, or whatever. Um, so I guess that's the way to look at it. And that's part of the way you would build consistency. Um, the other th- sort of thought I had, Mike, as you were talking there is it's interesting as um, when we step in as consultants and we say, okay, well, how do we approach writing content for this business? Because naturally the business themselves will know more about their industry than we will, at least to start. Mm-hmm. And I find for, for as much as you might assume you're at a disadvantage, you're like, oh gosh, I don't know much about this organization, their industry, it's technical, it's complex. Sometimes that's a good thing too, in that you're not so bogged down in the weeds and you're focused on saying these particular words that are meaningful in this industry. And you can, you can get to the root of the value a bit quicker and then there's a meeting of the minds with yourself as the outsider who doesn't know as much, but who's really just trying to drive a, like a business case or the value props, whatever they may be with the expert internally who says, it's, it's got to have a bit of this. And that's how you kind of help round it into something that's really usable and hopefully resonates with the audience. So I, I think sometimes it's a really good marriage provided it centrally points back to, is this kind of message and statement valuable to that end reader? Yeah, it's the classic, you know, mm-hmm. outsider in being able to look at something with a fresh pair of eyes, I guess. Mm-hmm. So why don't we, I think that's, a, that's kind of covers off a little bit on like the approach that we're seeing and, and not getting, I guess, not forgetting about that brand voice or that, or some of those core tenants of your, of your business or value proposition before you start creating a, a bunch of content. And, and maybe just to talk about that for a minute, like we, how many organizations have we seen that set up social media accounts or set up, um, you know, their posting strategy or their, their newsletter strategy or their various forms of digital communication across their website, even their blog. And you just, it's all over the place. Right? And, and, you know, they put maybe junior resources involved and, Hey, go do this because we should sort of be on these channels. And very quickly you're like, Oh my, this isn't actually, setting us up for success here. If anything, it could even be hurting us, right? Because of the nature of the posts and the content that's being put out there. So, you know, I think that that's kind of almost the danger in not having that straight path back up to the top that you said, Kev, is your, your teams that are working on this stuff just come out with stuff that's totally off, off base. And, you know, yeah, we're not, you know, talking about organizations like global brands like Coke that would have this stuff locked down, but 
you know, your mid-sized business that's trying to have success online, they don't want it to be all over the place either. It's, it's, it's going to have an impact if it's, if it's yeah. all over the place. Well, it's like a fragmented execution plan, right? Sure. Um, and, you know, it's funny you say that. One thing I see in those big brands that you reference, they would have something like, like what I'm about to say is a lot of time we get engaged and there, is a, there really isn't a definition or some sort of one-page document about like mission statement, core values, you know, absolute must have statements in everything you do. And so if you're going to give it to an extended member on the team who isn't 15 years deep in their career and been doing this forever, mm. he or she isn't thinking about, does this one tweet or this LinkedIn post, or even this ad that I just had to get up by the end of the day, does it point back to those value props? So we're sort of, we're setting them up to fail or at, le at least not hit the message that really resonates. And so that's kind of like that, that fragmented thing of they're executing to the best of their ability, but they don't really have that guide or that path to connect it to something of bigger picture substance. What's also interesting about having that path is that, you know, sometimes we hear from clients, oh, you know, it's a lot of work. We don't, we don't know what to do. So they just kind of do things. They think that are just ad hoc, they're disconnected, mm -hmm. thinking that's easier. But the reality is that's actually harder to do because you're asking someone to go ahead and create content without a framework. So it's sure. having this yeah. blank yeah. piece of, you know, digital paper, a blank screen in front of them saying, okay, we have to write something. And that's really hard. And then it very often misses the mark because it's not connected as opposed to, um, you know, taking a little bit of time saying, I'm going to do this framework, I'm going to put together, you know, uh, some stories that align to the brand, to the, to the audience, to the process, I'm going to identify some keywords that should always be part of the content or not. Um, this is sort of a continuation of a story. So you spend some time doing that. So then if you do hand it off to somebody, there, there is something, there's a starting point it's actually easier to write the content. I, I know that I find it easier mm -hmm. when I have that. And then your content's actually gonna be more valuable because it's it's connected back to a strategy. I, I love that point. I even think it would be faster on top of the other points that you have because Definitely. the way you described it originally is so right because it's that individual is kind of starting from scratch every time they have to write something. It's a brand new exercise. And really it was sort of envisioned in the first place as being, yeah, look, let's just extend off this message and it should be pretty quick, but it wasn't because of that process not being there. You're, you're totally right. 100%. All right, so now let's get into creation versus the activation component of it. So, um, I mean, let's just use an example of, of, of both of those. Like you've got, maybe if we can talk a bit about like a typical campaign that you would go activate that's gonna have a bunch of stuff going on. Um, you can't really do a good job. Like there's this conversation. So I took a step back for a sec, but the plumbing we've touched on that. We touched on that a little bit before this. And I think on other podcasts where a lot of organizations are sort of fixated on getting the plumbing, right. Right. So that's the MQL to SQL and how do our leads come in through forms? And then what kind of drips are we going to put them through? And what are we going to warm them? And then we're going to get them off to sales. And I'm not saying they're devoid of a content conversation. You know, there's probably a download that drives the initial component, but there's certainly a huge emphasis on what's going on under the hood to get all that plumbing, that infrastructure working. And I would say that a lot of times we're brought in and we're, we're looking at this messaging and we're looking at the landing pages and we're looking at the download of being like, 
okay, what's going on here? Like you can have this great machine underneath, but if it's not aligned to going back to that, that, you know, that concept of the, the content itself, you're, it's not going to perform well. In fact, in many ways, everybody kind of has a similar type of workflow now to a large degree going from lead to revenue. It's almost like soon it'll be more about the content. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I also think a lot of organizations, um, it was touched on before, it might've been Robin, but um, sometimes they come from a place if they don't really know what should go where. And then there's a lot of overthinking that happens. Like what does these three emails in this nurture look like? And my approach is let's take it right back down to simple. And this email should really have one or two core takeaways. That's it. Mm -hmm. And then I think once you break it down like that and you say, well, look, Today's emails, I'm going to timestamp this, this podcast, but in 2021, they're usually like two to 300 words tops. There should be a lot of bullet points, maybe two paragraphs, each with one to two sentences, really set the tone and then have value prop bullet points to push back up into that tone. And then some kind of call to action and you're done. Make it simple. People's attention spans, they don't want to read essays in an email, right? And so even then it's kind of overcomplicated. And so we bring it right back down to just basics. What's the one takeaway you want someone to get from this email? And, and then from there, that kind of defines a bit more of, okay, and now we know what the value props are. We know what the message has to be. And even then it's like, okay, well, I probably only need two or three sentences to actually get the message Convey across. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the one of the things that we talked about earlier this week was it's, it's very difficult for an agency to sort of affect the value proposition of an organization, right? Mm -hmm. If they go out and they say, our product is great and it's got these features and it costs this amount of money. And then you kind of go out into the market and you're like, well, wait a second. Like it turns out your competitors have more features. They've been around longer and it's cheaper. You know, like it's hard to overcome that, right? So yeah. what we're trying to do is to sort of take that, whatever they believe is their value proposition and their way of being able to compete in the market and really distilling that down across this, this campaign that you're now putting together into some creative pieces of content to sell that message and do the very best that you, you can in, in, you know, through that process. Is that fair? Yeah, you know, I had an interesting conversation with one of our clients this week who does work with an agency, helps them on their content. And so the client's very much the, the brand voice, um, but, you know, a great piece of value that the agency was able to add in is, was being able to take the content and then being able to frame it up so it had, um, it, it, it included the neighborhood that they were moving to. So the, mm. it was all about the client's brand, but then the agency said, well, I think this is a way we're gonna put this on social and this is a great way to, to resonate it. And I thought that was just such a great way of working together uh, because you have the, you know, the brand voice, the value proposition, and then thinking how to use the platforms and how to, you know, sort of the, the global best practices of, of how to share content. And uh, it, was, it was really great. And the client saw great value because they wouldn't have seen it that way. And then the agency wouldn't have been able to write the content in the same way the client did. So it's a, it's a great way of working together. Just to add to that too, Robin, uh, where we run into a lot of uh, being able to sort of add to where a client is in their, um, in their 
marketing strategy is sometimes you only need a couple of really good pieces to be mm-hmm. able to sort of, and you spread those across sort of multiple channels. And that's something that uh, uh, a lot of folks that are just getting started in their uh, their marketing journey may not be aware of, that it, it's not going to take, you know, 40 or 50 pieces of content to really get started and to properly populate a, um, a uh, strategy, you know, you can, you know, a couple of good pieces with, you know, those messages coming through loud and clear, uh, and then working, you know, working off of those messages is really all you need to really, uh, to really get started. Yeah, it's almost like the, so we're going to maybe next, we can talk about the stages of the journey that these con that the, that the various different types of content come into play. Because I think I do think there's a base layer probably all organizations, we, you know, we would recommend a base layer or a foundational layer of content that just supporting, you know, that, that, that business value proposition along the way throughout the days and weeks. Um, that isn't necessarily performance driven content. That's going to, you know, be out there to perform a, a job uh, in, in the funnel. I mean, it's, it's there, it's supporting it's air cover. Um, but I agree with you. It's almost like that half-life of the content. You know, how much, how much of this performance content do you really need? And how you how, like how to the extent that you can really leverage one piece, even our videos, even our podcasts, right? There's a really good example how, you know, this podcast will have two or three snips that'll get put together to be sponsored out on 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 LinkedIn and on, and on Twitter and on Facebook as a sub mini component and then pointing back to the main podcast as an example that, you know, you can really leverage this content in different ways. You know, we don't do this, but we've talked about sort of spinning blogs off of, mm-hmm. off of our podcast. Right. And um, just, just ideas like that, Chris, to your point where we've had some of our performance content will last and still produce really good results after three or four months of doing the webinar, you know, and you're pushing the replay. So we could talk a bit about, maybe this concept of, you know, the, the, what content, when in, in, in your journey, and then you're right, right sizing it. So you're not having to feel like you've got to build that like five to 10 webinars a quarter for you to drive your, you, you know, the results you're looking for. What is it that works too? Eh? Because the, the thing that's, that's really changing now, and I, I, I don't know what the actual stats show, but I think, you know, if you've got the option between looking at a, um, you know, a, a, a 20 to 30 second video or to, you know, go to a blog page and read like a two page blog, sure. like more, more often than not, you're going to get more clicks on that uh, little sideways triangle that it's like, and if you've got a really, you know, a really good, maybe a funny message in there, it's going to, it's going to, you know, gather, um, gather a little bit more uh, steam than, you know, again, maybe, maybe it also has to do, maybe somebody with more intent is going to read the blog. Like maybe that's the case too, but um, you know, certainly in terms of getting, getting somebody interested in uh, consuming some content, I think that, um, you know, video is obviously becoming a little bit more uh, attractive and, uh, and more sort of in line with where people are consuming content. Um, You know, video is, is uh, starting to, to really, become that sort of thing that, that, that everybody wants as part of their content. Uh, oh, sure. I, yeah. I think video already is there. It's, it's yeah. become the de facto um, medium people want to consume content mm-hmm. in now. Like I think people would be more willing to spend two minutes watching videos than a minute reading. 
So yeah, it, yeah, and I, and I, just to throw in on that, Chris, before you go next, but I, I, I do think I like what you said, Chris, about maybe you know the intent and that sort of on this topic we're talking about right now, which is mm-hmm. what stage in the journey. But I, I think it also informs the content strategy, which is also what we talked about earlier. If you said you're right, and if 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 the video, the thirty second video or minute long video is really talking about a problem that the product can solve or the service can solve, right? And it's in, in maybe creative way to get that message across. And what you said is, well, let's take that exact same thing and put it in blog format. Yeah, I think if you were to put those two out for competition, I and mean, we've done that, your, your videos will perform 10 times better all day long. Mm-hmm. But if you said, actually, the written piece is not about just short telling you how, to, how we would solve that product or service, it's actually an example deep dive of how mm. we did it and when we did it. And, and by the way, here's the formula and how you can calculate on how to do it too. Well, now you've, you're right. You've put something where like, they're already interested. There are enough to kind of come to our website and what they're now reading about is really some, some in depth ex- example that's much further down. Right. Not to say that right. you couldn't use video to describe that further down example, but there, there's more, I could see more of a place for that style sure. of written content, right? Yeah. Well, Chris, you said it. it's the, the strategy behind the content. I love the strategy, but what Mike, sorry, you, you hinted at it too. It's sort of right-sizing the content, not only like the message, how deep you go, possibly even the format with where the prospect is in the buying journey whether it's mm-hmm. a top of funnel asset, a middle of funnel asset, or if you're in that bottom of the funnel high consideration, that's when you throw in your technical guides or your really, really meaty um, blogs or articles or however you frame them, because then you've got the attention to make that worthwhile. But someone doing investigative research on top mm-hmm. 10 CRMs they're considering, invest, considering investing in, that's probably not the right place for it. Yeah, I see a lot of, I've seen a lot of uh, explainer videos. I'm just thinking of some of the videos that, that uh, I've seen out there because mm-hmm. y- you're right, there's absolutely a movement to video. And I, it makes me think a little bit about, you know, uh, when the world suddenly decided that email was the communication channel and, and the idea is, well, if I can email somebody, then that's it, I've got to win. Not thinking about, well, if you email somebody and it's, you know, six paragraphs long, well, actually, no, that, that's not going to work. And video is kind of going in that same way as well. So having um, a really deep dive explainer video on your product uh, when you're just trying to drive awareness, well, it, it, you're missing the mark because someone's not going to spend all that time to see, you know, the 25 steps to get to what they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, at that top of the funnel, they want to know probably more about your brand, probably about your people and maybe a, you know, a, one big problem uh, that you solve. And then as you get deeper down, as, as Michael, you're explaining, you're right, there's the blog option, there's the explainer videos. So it's not, it's not a one size fits all. And I think that's a really important thing with video. Uh, there's a strategy to it. And there are companies that are already realizing that and they're being smart about their videos. They're not putting out um, you know, the same video in exactly 10 different replications because knowing that, no, that's it, we're going to lose people. And they're, tr- they're understanding their audience in the funnel. So, you know, on that though, Robin, I think that's a great point. You could theoretically create uh, a video only strategy for content that appeals at different stages, top funnel, middle mm-hmm. funnel, bottom yeah. of funnel. But I, I think the, 
the, mm. the most sensible thing to do. There is no one single channel that covers all audiences and their particular needs and how they digest content or, or consume it. So I think what you would do instead is you look at each of these stages and you say, well, what's the right message that needs to be heard? What are the things that we really need to point to? Maybe also factoring in how much attention of the prospect do we have? We'll just have more later on than early on. And they say, well, okay, if high level value props and meeting the company, Robin, to your point is important at the top. Well, what would that look like in written format? What would that mm -hmm. look like in video? And then say, ah, I don't think that's a video thing at that stage because you have good rationale for it. Like, I think that would be the more important way to do it. And if you're doing it that way, it's like Chris said before, you're not creating all new content in 40 different assets. It's probably like three or four pieces of content, then divvy it up, you know, to reflect the actual medium it's going to be presented in. But I think that's a logical yeah. way to do it anyways. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, if we were talking about um, a short blog post that might be, you know, top five things you need to consider about X, um, not realizing that actually that blog with those five bullet points, you've actually got five more blogs because you can use each one of those bullet points, could be at a different funnel, could be for a different mm -hmm. audience. Yeah. Um, and it's just a, a great way to get your message out. Don't, don't assume that everybody consumes everything right away, even a short piece of content. So lots of, lots of variations you can do. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah. And I think in terms of wrapping this one up, I, I also like the idea uh, and which we've talked a, a bit about this before putting more focus on the content, you know, like from a performance of our program perspective. So you could say, you know, and when you're testing out your content and you're putting it out in the wild, you could say, well, you know, was the distribution or the activation of that, was that the problem or was it the content itself or how we were communicating the content? And I think lots of times it's very easy for companies, for any marketer to, to, to get hung up, especially when the business is breathing down your neck, looking for results saying, mm -hmm. well, maybe that didn't work. You know, maybe nobody wants a, nobody cares about a digital workshop, you know, we've tried you know, that exact campaign tried to put out a workshop and the whole thing was thought through and we thought it was, was going to go well. And it, it really didn't, it really did not resonate. And, and so the question really around that is like, we knew our activation strategy was bulletproof. We had everything from our, from our plumbing in place. It was really came down to that content strategy was not aligned to the market. And um, we're lucky as an agency to have a number of things, a number of irons in the fire from our marketing perspective and, and just generally understand what goes into this for it to be successful. Unlike prospective clients that could say, look at that and be like, well, nothing works. You know, if that didn't work, nothing works. And you know, it'll be forever. And then the marketer's really on their heels trying to convince the, the business that no, 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 we can do this. We just need to continue to tweak our, our content strategy. But um, I think I was just gonna sort of say measurement, right? Make sure you've got those measurements in place so that you can really understand the performance of your marketing. Because Chris, one of the things that you brought up earlier was what is working? What can you double down on? Yeah. There's no sense in building building another piece of, of an asset if you can just dump, you know, double the budget into pushing it. Yeah, so. that's true. Well, the other, the, the, and I'm not to sort of stretch this out at all, but I am interested in like running a little mini survey here. And like one of mm. the things that's been sort of like changing in the environment is this concept of gated content right? Mm -hmm. Is it like, mm -hmm. is it like yes, gated content or no? Kevin, are we, are we going to do uh, that right now? We do that right now. Kevin, gated, uh, not gated. 
It's a bit of both, right? Like, it's not an easy answer. Like I think we're, we are moving towards uh, not gated, but I think you have to be mindful. I don't think you gate case studies. I don't think you gate one page PDFs. The only thing I think you have the right to gate now are events, whether they're one day in person or online and really high quality thought leadership. Everything else is open. That's Robin. my answer. Robin. Uh, oh, Robin. Um, I, I, I'm going to agree with, with Kevin on that. I think that, no, no, not because it's Kevin, because I think the more information that you can give to a prospect, it, it, it only benefits, um, it only benefits the company and it benefits the, the prospect. Uh, you make it easier to learn about your company, your product and your services. Um, the only thing that I would add to that is make sure that you are tracking and measuring all of that. Because if you are going to give all that content away for free, make sure you know who is who is consuming it. Yeah, I think that's, that's a reflection, yeah. though, like that. That's a reflection of marketing in general, understanding the buying journey starts so much earlier than we recognize. It's like mm -hmm. that whole Forrester Gartner stat of by the time they reach out, they being the prospect, they've done 60% of the legwork yeah. of their needs analysis. So I think it's sort of, let's not make this harder than it has to be for the lead. Let's give them all of the information they have to get us on the short list, so to speak. And then we've got the right later uh, through high quality content, whatever, good events, to then go ask for the sort of indicator of interest. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. No, no, that was, that's great. I was just gonna um, agree with you there. I think on, I would say, I'm not for gaining content. I think for the most part, um, I'm, I'm of the mind to just hand, hand it out for free if, and not just hand it out for free, pay, pay to deliver it for free, right? So get mm -hmm. it on the networks and distribute it um, at your, on your own dime. So it gets in front of people and, and really get your name and, and get those impressions, get those views, get those downloads up. And to your point, Robin is, you know, make sure you're measuring that because it's a much easier conversation to go and say, Hey, we've had, you know, 10,000 video views and we've got, we've had 400 downloads of this asset. Now we don't know who these people are and, you know, could be our competitors, but the point is they're probably not all of our competitors and there's probably some really great prospects in there, but at least we know the impact that it's making. The pros and then, outweigh the cons there for sure, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think your point around what can you ask for, the only one I was going to add is probably the obvious one that we're in a lot, which is demos, right? Mm, the yes. ability to, to say, yeah, let, you want to do a demo, let's show, show you our product or service. Um, service maybe a little bit, not quite a demo, but you know what I mean? Um, that that's for sure something that you would you would ask for and do otherwise just give as much of, of it away for free as you can. But I think on the demo really quick, you would say like you'd make it worth the while. So we're going to have some form field that you got to fill out, but maybe it's something where we say, tell us your top need or thing you want to see most of so we can then tailor the demo. Like if we can try to communicate a way that we're going to make this worth your while, mm -hmm. there's a bit more sort of reason for the prospect to say, okay, you know what, I will fill that out because there's something in it for me. There's a unique sure. return in that they're getting something unique in return for providing that information. So it's yeah. about, again, it's a value proposition on both sides. So to wrap yeah. up, do we butter up to the content writers of the world and say, your job is really hard and uh, <laughs> we feel your pain. It's not an easy gig. That's for sure. No. Yeah. I think we do. I think they, uh, they deserve a pat on the back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, keep it's at it. It's especially hard to start the process of a new asset, right? It's always yeah. easy to look at it after and say, okay, now what are we missing? But sure. the brave ones are the ones that started. And those are the content marketers we hold dear to our hearts. Yeah.
Okay. Content. <laughs> All right. Copywriters and content uh, developers. Uh, yeah. Thumbs up from us at Goose. All right. Sounds good. So thanks. That's great. All right. Thanks, everyone. Peace Bye. out. Everyone. Peace out.